0: From Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. I'm Riff Yitzowitz, and on today's show, I talk with a military wife about her daily life. I try to wrap my head around what it means to be a military family, and she shares the things that worry her about her. and you'll hear me say this several times during this conversation, is a superhero. With fewer than 0.5% of the U.S. population serving in the military, many of us do not have any connection to someone who serves. I am so grateful that I got the chance to ask her a few questions about her life and what she wishes we
1: all knew about the people who protect us. What was I like as a little kid? Definitely very spunky. Um, I've been told since I was a very little kid that I have an old soul, so it's kind of interesting to fuse those two personalities. Um, Very type A, which makes my life now very interesting because it's anything but type A. Um, But definitely just a very adventurous kid and and still am as an adult, always looking to learn new things, involved in lots of different things and I'd say high energy, definitely.
0: Well, you you said that like your life now is not very type A. What is your life like now?
1: So life right now in the day to day is is pretty normal. However, the bigger picture of our lives is somewhat unique um, in that we are an active duty military family. And what that means is my husband wears camos to work every day. Um, he technically can be deployed at a moment's notice. Um, and and that that's something that's sort of always in the back of my mind for sure as a wife um, and as a mother of how it impacts my young children's lives. Um, but it's also really exciting to see my husband be able to do something he's so passionate about and really make a difference in the lives of people who you know desperately need that difference. Right. Okay.
0: So my, I have a million and 10 questions right now. Um, <laughs> I I actually know one other person, and we spoke about this before we started recording. Um, who is active duty military, and they are currently uh, stationed in Germany, in Berlin. And it's it's a totally different it's a totally different way of approaching the world. Did you know when you met your husband that this was what he wanted to do? Was he already in the
1: military at the time? So absolutely not. He it was not part of the picture at all. Um, it wasn't something. I think he had even ever thought about we got married about nine and a half years ago so right before he started his phd in clinical psychology um we were living in brooklyn and living the very run-of-the-mill normal young married couple life thank god had a child a couple of years later um and when he was sort of getting towards the end of his PhD, there was a presentation about being a military psychologist and he came home and mentioned it to me. Um, and I actually have immediate family members that were in the military as well. And I said, no way, I'm not interested in that. I don't want to have to keep moving around. I know how hard it was on um, my aunts and my cousins. This is just so not for me, again, being type A. Mm-hmm. and." He didn't mention it again for, I'd say, probably a year. So now we're going into his last year of his PhD, and he was applying to internships, um, which is sort of like the equivalent of residency in med school. It's your last step before you graduate and you become licensed on your own. And a bunch of military ones came up, and he looked at me and said, you know, if we did this you'd be able to quit your job and it would give us the opportunity to sort of, you know, move around and get to know some other Jewish communities. And we had already agreed that we wanted to move out of Brooklyn. Um, We wanted to raise kids out of the city. I'm from Atlanta originally. So being in a smaller community um, was definitely on my radar and something I wanted to do. So he got in touch with some religious people that are in the military to see how it would, mesh with our religious lives since that's sort of, you know, the focal point of our day-to-day lives.
0: And we should say for for anyone who doesn't know that that like me, you're also a practicing Orthodox Jew. So the terminology thrown around is usually from, um, and there's a lot of, I'm thinking just in terms of food, like you got to get kosher food on base. Then you got to worry about, you know, praying with, with a minion, with a quorum 10 times, uh, 10 times a day, 10 people, three times a day. (laughs) And uh, it's late people. I'm tired. Um, And, and all of that. It's just aspects of your day-to-day life that you need to see if that fits with the rigidity of the military.
1: Absolutely. Um, And we definitely did a lot of research. We spoke to as many people as we could asking every question we could think of and the more that we learned about the military and especially the more my husband learned about being a military psychologist the more drawn he was to it um and we sort of just had this feeling of okay it's a four year contract if we're not happy after four years or if this doesn't work for our kids and this doesn't work for our religious lives then four years and we're done and and that's it um and we are about four years in now so how long did it take you to come around to the idea like um, it seems
0: like he was gung-ho from the very beginning this is what I want to do and that you yeah. need to come convincing understandably so by the way I'm trying to think like if my husband came home today was like <laughs> let's be in the military be like I don't even know what I would do um how, how long did it take you to come around to it
1: I would say probably three to four months um okay as we got closer, again, mentioning that internship process, it works exactly as residency matches do, where you apply, you go on interviews, and then you rank in numerical order from your top choice down. And then they rank theirs. And if you, once you match, that's where you're going. It's not right. that you're getting four offers and then you get to choose your favorite. So we, we really did a lot. I mean, I really did a lot of soul searching to make sure that this was a venture that I could really wholeheartedly support my husband on. And, and the reality is that as much as you may learn about it before you're living it, you know, it, it, it's impossible to fully comprehend. So it sort of was a leap of faith. Um, but again, in the back of my mind, it was if this doesn't work after four years, we're done. So I felt like there was a safety net there. Um, It also made it a little bit easier that it wasn't an active wartime. And um, my husband actually matched with the Navy, which was his top choice. Um, And Naval psychologists aren't usually deployed to the front lines. It's just not how it works. So having, that biggest fear of is my husband really going to be put into danger having that alleviated a little bit made it a lot easier to say okay let's do this
0: okay so does that mean that your husband goes to work every day on a boat
1: <laughs> that's what everyone thinks so it well re- you said navy <laughs> yeah yes yeah, so, and that's what I thought also um no my husband goes to work every day in an office he sees patients in a clinic and it could be that in our next station, um, when you are moved somewhere, it's called a duty station. It could be that next time around he will be on a boat. Um, it really just depends on where you get stationed and what the job criteria is in that location.
0: So if he gets a job on a boat, does that mean that you live on a boat for whatever length of time that he's stationed oh, no. there? Um, oh, good. If
1: his job was on a boat and the boat was... Scheduled for a deployment, it would mean that we move to whatever town near the base, um, and that my husband would be deployed for anywhere from six to ten months. It really depends on um, the boat and what they're doing. But Navy deployments, as far as that goes, are pretty long. Um, that's, that's too
0: stressful. There. I don't want to think about it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to think about that. I can't. The you are a. I, it's crazy because families doing what you do is part of what keeps this country running. It's, it's a huge part of what keeps us safe. It's a huge part of, um, of just, of just functioning as a country. You need to have a military. And yet the people who actually do it, it is completely and utterly beyond me. And you are basically a superhero. Is my <laughs> point. Thank you. Um, so, so you mentioned moving around and getting stationed. So how, if you don't mind me asking, how old are your kids?
1: My oldest is turning seven this summer, and my youngest is turning four right after Passover. Okay. Two little girls. Little, yeah. Yeah. Littles. Um, How often do you move? We typically move every three years. Um, Again, I mentioned we're really coming to the end of the first contract, and thank God um, we plan to, we, my husband plans (laughs) to resign. Um, So we... uh, we moved to Baltimore for one year. My husband did his residency at Walter Reed um, Military Hospital. It is one of the largest military hospitals in the country. Um, that was a really sobering experience for me. I mean, if I whenever I had to go to the doctor, I went into the hospital and a lot of people that um, are unfortunately really injured at war are brought back to Walter Reed. So you, it really, really was eye opening to just how much this world is and what you know this means. Um so we lived it we lived in Baltimore and my husband drove into Bethesda each day and we chose to do that again just because we had such little kids. Um I had also transitioned from working full-time to being a full-time mom with a brand new baby. So I wanted to be near friends and we had friends in Baltimore. So okay we lived there for a year and then we got moved to Connecticut where we live now um and in the fall it'll be 3 years since we moved here um and where we're going next is not official yet um there's a couple of places that are being thrown around um but time will tell what actually happens with that
0: wow so the the place where you're living in now do you ever like decorate your apartment
1: so uh, decorate it for like military like, no no i mean like Okay oh, so I'm cuz like cuz like you're out.
0: always moving. Yeah. I mean I would I would imagine that it's so important to to have to not feel transient that way. You know to yes. to feel like the place where you're at right now that's to have your your feet solidly on the ground. I'm also recording this from inside my apartment which we've been in for a little bit over two years and I haven't gotten around to putting stuff on the walls yet or most stuff like I just haven't taken it and I can't imagine that if I was always moving that I would have the um I don't know like the I, I, the gumption? I don't know what, what yeah. the right word is, but like I would just, by the time I would get around to decorating, it would be, we it would be time to move again.
1: So the advice that I got from um, other military wives that are much older and wiser than I am, um, and seasoned way more seasoned than I am, is that it's really important to make each house your home. Um, and in our family, along with a lot of other military families, we always say that home is You know where we're together home is where the military sends us and that as long as we are together that's home um as far as actually unpacking a house yes we absolutely do um with each move even when we knew we were only going to be somewhere for a year we definitely made it a home and it's actually like a funny thing that I think any military spouse would say is that like all of us have a closet of like curtains because <laughs> you need different, you need different curtains for every house <laughs> that you live in. And there's no guarantee that they're going to fit your next house. That's um, so true. Yes. But, you know, we definitely make it home. Um, and as an adult, I would say I really have had to push myself out of my comfort zone to make sure that. Each time we move, that I make friends and that my kids make friends because otherwise, there's just that's not life, you know. You really need to invest in where you are, even if it's fleeting, and you know that goodbyes come way more often um, than in the average person's life. We really work hard to establish lives wherever we're planted, you know, at that time. Right. Are you a naturally outgoing person? So, everyone that I know would say yes, but inherently, I've always been the type of person that I had like my three or four best friends, and that's all I really needed. So, I am social, but I push myself out of my comfort zone to be social.
0: I'm Um, exactly the same way. Yeah. Extroverted introverts. 100%. 100%. 100%. Yeah. So, does your day to day life look pretty similar? To you know, your husband goes to work. He happens to go to work in camo, but he goes. You know, your husband goes to work. You stay in with the kids. You they go to school or and whatever. Like, does your day to day life look any different because you're a military family?
1: Not right now. Um, and again, a lot of it has to do with the job that my husband is doing at the current time. Um, so right now, my life. I don't think, other than if you were one of my neighbors and you saw my husband coming and going in his camos, I don't think that anyone would realize that, uh, that life is any different for us. And and that's a really good thing because a lot of times I don't realize that life is any different for us. And I think that's an important way to continue thriving as, of, as opposed to just surviving. Um, but again, you know, in the back of my mind, there are anxieties and concerns that, are not part of a normal person's life Uh,
0: right you're concerned about your husband getting sent to a war zone I am not concerned about that
1: right right (laughs) Um, yeah and even just being someone in uniform and and going to work in uniform or you know my husband thank God is really great at what he does and he really loves what he does but um it's really intense also being a psychologist in the military where there's you know severe PTSD and um, a lot of emotional baggage and damage. And um, sometimes that causes dangerous situations, not usually, um, but there are definitely times where I think, okay, is going into session now. I hope everything goes okay. Uh, and not even, I don't know anything about any of his patients at all. It's just that, that baseline of my husband is, you know, he may not be fighting on the front lines, um, but he's absolutely doing a job that not many others can do or do. Right. Yeah, it's, listen, it's a
0: high stress, high stakes job. And that comes with all of the regular stresses of having your husband in a high stakes, high stress job. Right. Also, he happens to be in the military. Right. Do your, do your kids know like, do they get what daddy does? Do they, I mean, they obviously, they know that they move around a lot. How do you explain something like that um, to your kids?
1: So it's actually really hard. It's one of the hardest parts of this life. Um, my oldest was three when we moved to Maryland and my youngest was about eight weeks old. And my husband actually was in officer school at the time. So he was gone for six weeks. We moved to Maryland without him Um and my three-year-old was very concerned about, will daddy know where we are? Is he gonna know how to get to our house? You know, where is daddy? Um, and it, he does travel for you know, different assignments um, now. So they're very, they're definitely aware of the fact that other kids are able to say that they were born in a place and that's where they still live. And, and my youngest at one point had been a resident of three states in under two years. Um, And that's also, you know, it's kind of unique. But yeah, going back, it's definitely the hardest part. And um, my older daughter now mentions every now and then about, you know, are we moving soon? Do we need to move? I really like my friends here. Um, And the older they get, the harder it becomes because there's obviously that internal struggle of, this, this is a great opportunity for my husband. He loves what he does. Um, But are we taking a lot away from our children? Are, you know, am I robbing them of uh, normalcy? Um, I was really fortunate to grow up, you know, in the same city and had the same friends from early elementary school through high school, you know, even in college. Um, So it's definitely, I'd say, you know, the toughest, the toughest part about all of this is, you know, as, as soon as we get somewhere it's almost like okay how long are we here until we need to leave again
0: yeah it's I can imagine that taking taking a toll especially on a little kid like like yeah. you said like a seven-year-old who doesn't really you know it's it's tough it just is it's and I, I'm sure that the that they even if now when they're little and they can't really appreciate it I'm sure that they will get to a point in their lives when they will realize the the sacrifices that you guys are making um to really keep to really keep everyone safe which is huge. I'm curious to know what about I'm I'm not really sure the right way to phrase this but you know like I said your life is completely and utterly different about it and maybe this is a question that I should really be asking your husband um but do you know what it was about it that drew him and and really, you like what was it that made you say, "Okay, I'm gonna do this. This is something that I can commit to. This is something that that I can live with." You mentioned that it was a short-term co- contract, um, but was there something that was, you know, okay? Okay, we'll go for it. Was there something that stood out to you guys?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, my husband and I have both been very focused on community service, um, and very strongly believe in the idea of supporting those around you. Um, so, you know, my husband said, I remember even on on one of our first dates, he said that uh, he wanted one day to be able to make a difference on a big scale. And he didn't say it in a, you know, egocentric type of way. It was very, very genuine um, that he's, I mean, he, when we did start dating he had already, I knew he was applying to PhD programs. So I knew he was becoming a psychologist. Um, And that calling was very, very strong. And I think the reason that the military specifically really resonated with him and why he kept bringing it up to me was because it did give the opportunity to make a really big difference in people's lives that are often um, overlooked. And you know, it sort of, it makes sense because on, on the you know a day-to-day life um and even i'm guilty of this from before we were a military family you see someone in in uniform and it's almost like it's like a really cool thing you know you you smile you're like oh that's so cool they're in the military um but behind you know the the polished um uniforms and the shiny boots and whatever um there's a long story for each service member um and uh, a lot of them, you know, as I mentioned before, have a lot of baggage. And and that sort of comes with the territory and a lot of them know it going in, but having support and being able to work through some of those issues to um, reestablish themselves in a healthy way so that they can continue having normal lives, whether that's in the military or getting out of the military um, and being a civilian again. Um, you know, hearing my husband speak about that and how how much he just felt really drawn to filling that position. Um, it was really hard for me not, you know, not to take that leap of faith. And and again, as much as in the back of my mind, my safety net was, okay, it's only four years. Um, four years is still a significant amount of time. Four years is a while. (laughs) Especially when you know that um, you know, not me, but as far as my husband is concerned, he he signed away his certain freedoms as a civilian. um, And there's no, there's no turning back on that. Um, Once you commission or enlist, you know, depending on um, whatever, you know, you're doing, it's a done deal. Um, So I definitely, I was nervous, but I definitely felt that through listening to my husband um, and seeing how, how passionate he was about this, that this was something that, that would work for us because we would make it work. Um, And because it really aligned with our central, you know, morals and what we want to be as human beings, which is um, just giving people.
0: Right. You mentioned that your husband signed away certain freedoms. What did, what do you mean by that? I don't know anything about enlisting in the military.
1: (laughs) Maybe that's not the right word. And I'm sure if there are other military spouses listening, they're going to think like, what is she talking about? (laughs) Um, More so that you, when you join the military, You're not a civilian. A civilian is someone like me. Um, A civilian is someone like you. We come and go as we please. We don't have anyone other than obviously state and federal laws, um, you know, dictating our lives. Um, But when you're in the military and you're told to go somewhere or duty calls, as they say, you're going there. Uh, There's no, I don't feel like it. There's no, maybe tomorrow. It's okay. You know, when am I leaving? And um, sometimes
0: they say jump, you say how high
1: basically. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that you know, that again, that's a big thing. There have been times where my husband called me and said, I found like, I found out that I'm leaving in two days for X amount of weeks. Um, and there are people that find out they're getting deployed and Hey, you're getting deployed in six hours. Oh, God. Uh, so I guess it, it's, it's more the freedom of like knowing that ultimately, you know, if you don't want to go to work as a civilian, you don't have to go to work. You'll get fired, you know, maybe, but no one's going to come after you. Um, but in the military, that's not the case. There's no... Right. You're showing of- up. Yeah, exactly. That,
0: that makes sense to me. Uh, I, I would imagine that's how a military needs to function. It's yeah. it's a military. It's <laughs> that's, that's just how it works. Um, what's something that you wish people knew about military families?
1: Hmm... There's a lot of things. Um, there's definitely a lot of stereotypes that go around about military families. Um, I guess the biggest thing is just to keep our spouses, you know, in your thoughts and to not not take it for granted because we, I no longer have the privilege of um, ignorance is bliss when it comes to this sort of stuff. but. And I wish that other people realized that as well. That behind every serviceman or woman, um, there's a mother, there's a father, daughter, sister, brother. There are so many of us that are at home um, waiting. Sometimes it's weeks that you know you don't hear from your your family member. Um, that there's just there's a lot of people that are are waiting at home to know that that everything is okay. Um, and yeah, I think I think that really is the biggest thing for me, at least. And my viewpoint that's changed is that you know the military is not just you know the Blue Angels flying their airplanes and doing cool tricks, and it's not just the the sailors that are coming in for Fleet Week in New York and their cool white uniforms. These are real people that are really risking their lives. Um, and even if it's not, like I said, being necessarily on the front lines, holding a gun, um, there's still a tremendous amount of sacrifice that goes in every single day to protect the very things that we take for granted.
0: Yeah, I I can't imagine what that life is like. That's so true. That that's you're right. It's something that we we don't think about our military and specifically our military families often enough. And it's definitely something that I've been guilty of. And I'm going to try to do better going forward I really am because it's it's insane what what you do and it's so important if someone um came to you and said that they were considering they had a they had a family member or they themselves were considering enlisting what's one thing that you would want them to know
1: hmm. I would I would say just to really think about it and to speak to as many people as possible um because I I mean I've also seen it. Uh, through being on base um, and just being around other military families, that there are a lot of people who see the military um, as an escape. And for a lot of people, that, you know, it turns out to be a positive thing. If you're from, let's say, a low-income area and college is not an option financially, you can join the military, you get out of your bad neighborhood, and after you've served for a couple of years, you have your GI bill, which will pay for college, you know? So that's a really great option. Um, but it's not, it's not like playing army as a kid. Uh, there's, there's a lot of expectations. There's a lot of hard work. Um, and ultimately it is the, you know, the biggest commitment that I think you can make. Um, and that commitment shouldn't be taken lightly.
0: Yeah. I, that makes perfect sense to me. And random question that popped up into my head. Um, so specifically, when it comes to Shabbos, when most when Orthodox Jews will not, you know, answer their phones or use electronics or stuff like that, do you? Does he spend Shabbos on base? Does it like what happens if he gets called on a Shabbos? Like, how does that? How does Shabbos work? Give me the rundown. I'm so curious.
1: Sure. So again, it's it's going to change a little bit depending on the duty station and the job at hand. And um, when my husband was in officer school. Shabbos was just him by himself. Um, and it was a really weird experience for him, as he said, you know, not sitting at a table with his family. Um, and there were times that I believe there were lessons on Shabbos, where um, like physical education. And thank God there are enough religious Jewish men and women in the military that it's not that no one's heard of it and you know they're not like what like what do you mean you can't use your phone what do you mean um all that being said my husband um as i mentioned is a psychologist um and he definitely has times that he's on call on chavis um and we have asked a million questions to our rabbis about um the way to handle this um i'd say that in the last four years, and he's on call over Shabbos once a month, he's maybe gotten two calls. Um, oh, and, okay. Right. And these calls are life or death um, in most cases. So you know, so then but, you go and you do what you need to do. Right. So fortunately, most of the time, he doesn't actually have to report to base. Um, if this happens, but he does need to give instructions to the people who are on base or um, the corpsmen, which are like medical assistants, if you will, um, you know, in the clinic or in the hospital about what to do with each patient. Um, that was also a really interesting thing for our kids because, you know, we we don't use electronics at all on, um, on the Sabbath, and when You know, it's weird for a three-year-old to be going to school and learning one thing and all of a sudden now daddy has his phone out or, um, you know, she's asking why. And it's sort of sensitive that you don't want to talk to a three-year-old about, well, you know, a patient was suicidal or or anything like that. So it's been a delicate balance of explaining, um, you know, why why he has a phone, um, on certain occasions and why he doesn't or why it's okay and why it's not. Um, but in general, I, I would say that we've gotten, I don't want to use the word lucky because I feel like luck takes, um, God out of it. And luck also takes the, the people that we've worked with out of it. Um, but my husband has been very fortunate that his chain of command has been extremely agreeable um, and understanding of our religious lives and he has never been forced to work on a holiday or on Sabbath itself. Um, in the wintertime when the Sabbath starts really early, they have always allowed him to leave work in enough time to get home before the Sabbath starts. Um, I would say that we, we really we haven't really felt that the military has detracted from our religious lives at all.
0: That's that's really great. Is that, um, would you say like a, a consistent experience among the other religious families that you know or does it just depend on what your chain of command is like?
1: So it definitely depends a lot on your chain of command. Um, it definitely depends a lot on where you're stationed. Um, one of the reasons that my husband ranked the Navy as number one is because all the really big naval bases are near really big cities. And when there's big cities, there's Jewish communities. Right. So that was a very strategic approach that we took. Um, however, I know military wives you know that have lived in South Korea or you know in Peru. And I don't know i mean i don't I don't think that they necessarily have been as fortunate as we have. Um, And I don't even know that that, that fortune is going to stay that way throughout my husband's entire career, just because you sort of don't know what you're going to get until you get there.
0: Right. It's, it's the situation that you have now. That's, that's insane. This I can't even wrap my brain around this. Uh, you and I met through Instagram. Well, met virtually, whatever. Met in the age of the internet um, through uh, through Instagram. And I know you as Incredifall. So yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about what Incredifall is and how it got started.
1: Sure. So Incredifall is my brainchild. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of years ago. I really had just gotten fed up with uncomfortable wigs um, and being an orthodox Jew, we cover our hair, uh, so wigs are a big part of our lives. Um, I just gotten fed up with wearing full wigs every single day I teach um, and I also get migraines and I didn't feel that going to school in a scarf on my head was a really polished look. So I sort of hit the drawing board and played around with a bunch of different ideas, came up with what is now Incredifall, I was showing my neighbor it and her husband looked at me and was like, you need to sell this. It,
0: right. uh, and, for, and for anyone who doesn't know, can you tell me uh, how an Incredifall is different from regular wig?
1: Sure. It's almost like Halo, Halo style extensions are really popular now, except it, it's not extensions. It has basically the same amount of a lightweight wig, but it's on a 360 headband that's made out of silicone and spandex, so there's no physical cap to the wig. It sort of just hangs out on top of your head, um, so there's no squeezing or pressure or anything like that.
0: Yeah, that's, it's awesome. It's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a comfortable thing to, to have. I know that my friend Michelle is obsessed with hers. You did like the myself. The pink rainbow yeah. unicorn. Oh, it's yeah. so good on her. <laughs> that. Yeah, she's fabulous. I think that also she's the most frequently mentioned person on this podcast because I literally bring her <laughs> up like every other That doesn't episode.
1: surprise me at all because I'm, she's one of those people that I feel like you meet her and you're instantly best friends. Yes. She just one, has that contagious personality.
0: 100%. Um. So you said that incredible was your brainchild. Yes. You, like Was there something, aside from just being uncomfortable with the wigs, that... Um, that you had, uh, was there something that was like, I'm going to start a business now.
1: So I use, I don't want to use the word business because I feel like business is very often, um, associated with profit. And well, yeah,
0: that's kind of the point of businesses. Yeah,
1: that is, that is the the point of business. And for 99.999% of people, that's awesome. And you know, good for you. If you can find something that you can make money off of and support your family, that's amazing. Um, around the time that I, I had, conceived this idea, um, I also learned that I was BRCA positive. Um, So I had a lot of nervous energy in me and I really felt like I needed to do something that I felt like I was giving back in a way to the community while also tying up um, all this nervous energy. Um, I had decided that I (laughs) Sorry, I decided that I definitely was going to go ahead with having a double mastectomy and reconstruction to prevent myself um, from the risk of a BRCA mutation. And for anyone who's not familiar, um, a BRCA gene mutation makes you a tremendous amount more susceptible to developing breast and ovarian cancer, specifically for women. And there's a bunch of other cancers that are associated as well. Um, And in the Ashkenazi Jewish community. The statistic is crazy and it is one in 40 women. So anyways, I found out that I was positive. Um, I had gotten tested because a cousin of mine was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and being a teacher, I didn't want to have surgery in the middle of the school year. I didn't want to upset my kids' lives in the middle of the school year. So I planned surgery for June. So this is September, I found out. Um, so I was speaking to my husband and- Whoa, yeah.
0: hold on. That's an entire school year.
1: Yes, it was an entire school year.
0: Wow. So for an entire school year, you knew that you were at really high risk for breast cancer and did not have the mastectomy until an entire right. school year later.
1: So I'm 29 years old. So I was 28 years old at the time. So although it is a high risk, there was no high immediate Right. I still
0: Okay. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. There was definitely a few years of a safety and I even am considered young for undergoing the double mastectomy. Um, But again, with military life, I didn't want to travel from one city to another and have to start over at square one with a new team of doctors every time. I also didn't want to worry about, hey, it's six months. Oh no, I don't have a doctor. I'm behind on my mammogram, on my MRI. It just, for our lifestyle and for me, going ahead with surgery was the best choice. Right. Um, so that being said, you know, I was talking to my husband about outside of teaching and outside of being a mother and a wife, I needed some sort of project to consume that nervous energy. And I just made this fall for myself. Um, and a neighbor of mine had just said, you know, the Shabbos, the Sabbath before, you should sell this. And I looked at my husband and I said, I think I want to do this, but I don't, I don't want to make money off of it. And my husband looked at me and sort of was like, what do you mean? (laughs) Mm -hmm. How can you spend so much time doing something if you're not going to, you know, make money off of it? And I explained to him, um, how, you know, just like it was important for him to pursue a passion and giving back in his own way that, um, I totally know what it's like, you know, when we were living on a single income and he was getting a PhD in, you know, in Flatbush where everything, you know, rent is exorbitantly high and there are more expenses, you know, than you can even think of and how just getting another wig is not always an option. And I think that for the average person, having a wig that you're either going to wear on a rainy day or during beanie season, if you will, mm. or on migraine days, um, you know, even even if I could charge a lot, why do I have to? Why can't I just do something that I'll charge, you know, enough to cover my expenses um, and everything else. So, you know, I'll structure it around volunteer. Um, And it took off and I never imagined that it would take off at all. Um, And that was really, really cool in a way. And it was the best, gift I could have given to myself during that year because it absolutely accomplished what I wanted to. And any free minute that I had um, was taken up by speaking to different people about ordering Incredible or um, about my mission and also using my platform to advocate about um, being BRCA positive, which I've done more recently. Um, At the time, I had not really, I hadn't mentioned it to anyone. Um, even my friends, only my closest friends knew what I was going through. Um, and people kept saying to me, why is it so cheap? Like, mm. you know, a that system. would
0: be my first question. What's wrong with it?
1: Exactly. Which is so funny because it, we hate when wigs are super duper expensive. Um, but I, well, I we expect
0: them to be super
1: expensive. We do. So I got a lot of questions about why is it so cheap? And I, I always like to say, you know, it's not cheap. It's inexpensive. Um, And the reality is, is just because we're not marking it up from what we're paying. Um, And I've even had people tell me how stupid I am um, (laughs) for not profiting off of this. And maybe from the way that they're looking at it, fine. You know what? Maybe I could have made loads of money off of this. But that was never what it was about for me. Um, And I think that that's, you know, that's something that I'm like, in general i really do try to help people and um i've just always been that way of looking for you know voids that i can try to fill whether it's through my creativity or just being there for someone um so yeah so incredible started out as me wanting to solve my headache problem to um being a legitimate thing i almost said business again but it really is
0: not well, uh, it's a nonprofit, really. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, that, that's what it is. It's it's uh, the literal definition. It's a nonprofit. profit yeah. This is this has been such an eye opening conversation. I'm so glad that you took the time to speak with me today. If somebody wants to learn more about you and what you do, where can they go?
1: They can look me up on Instagram. Um, my handle is easiest one is at it's incredifall. It's I N C R E D I F A L L. Um, and through there, you know, we I usually am the one who answers the direct messages. um if it's not me, then you know someone will say how to get in touch with me. Um, but I'm always open, you know, um, and would love to speak to anyone if, if you know they have a family member or a worried mother about their child who may want to go into the military. <laughs> um, that, yeah, I'm totally open to. I'd love to speak and and I also um just want to reiterate that, that thank god we've been really fortunate and the military has been a really tremendous blessing in our lives um it's definitely changed me as a person it's for sure changed my husband as a person um, and it's a really great opportunity for the right person i'll say it that way
0: that sounds great the last question that i want to ask you which is what i ask everyone who comes on the show is to you, Esther Widroff, in your personal life, in the way that you move through the world, what does it mean to you to make an impact?
1: That is such a good question. I wanna- Thanks. I wanna answer it um, adequately. Um, As a kid, my parents were really big on Tikkun Olam, which means repairing the world. Um, And that really stuck with me growing up and into adulthood, and I think to me to make an impact is to leave a place better than you found it, um, to leave someone walking away from a conversation feeling better than they did at the beginning of the conversation, feeling more confident about whatever is going on in their lives, um, and just, yeah, just generally uplifting because there's so much negativity in the world and there's so much opportunity to be upset and that's that's real life and that's being a human um and i know that i definitely have my bad days but making an impact to me would be kind of just to be that silver lining even if it's only for 30 seconds and saying hi to someone when you're walking down the street it's so that they walk away feeling a little bit about better about themselves and maybe in the world that we live in
0: is so great. Thank you so much for coming on today, Esther. I really appreciate it. Of a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. You can find a link to incredibles Instagram page in the show notes. Swipe up on the cover art to access those. To hear more episodes, subscribe or head over to impactfashionnyc.com slash blogs slash podcasts. While you're there, feel free to check out what's new in the world of size-inclusive, modest fashion. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help more people hear it, leave a review or a quick rating, it will make my day. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses. Original music composed by Nissan Fetman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Rifki Yitzkiewicz. Catch me on Instagram and Facebook, and now TikTok also. I don't know what I'm doing, but I am there at impact.fashion.myc. As always, here's to making an impact together.